around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. Star Trek Discovery Podcast by the creators of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, even though our show for a long time has not shown up in the search results, if you search Apple Podcast for Star Trek Discovery, I think we're still probably uh, among the top, if not the top, Star Trek Discovery recap podcast. Well, all you want to do is be in the conversation, I guess. I really appreciate our listeners being uh, doing that kindness to us. Thank you for listening. I appreciate them listening. I appreciate them reviewing our show, which is uh, maybe the primary way that anyone can find it at this point. Yeah, going on going on Apple Podcasts and leaving a nice review is a super big help. So thanks for everybody that's done that. Ben, we're already to episode five in our brand new Star Trek series. Kind of amazing that we're already here. What is, I think, going to be a third of the way through this first season. But over halfway in the uh, in the first half, as our first season is, is being bifurcated into two eight-episode half-seasons, yeah? Yeah, well, there's a we've got the eight-episode epi- half-season airing through this fall, and then uh, it picks back up early next year, and we get seven more. Feels like we're heading to a fairly significant cliffhanger. My, my cliffhanger ganglia is... <laughs> is fully extended right now. I feel like that's where we're going. Well, cram it back in your ganglia slit because <laughs> <laughs> we're still a couple episodes away from that. We're uh, we're cramming slit and reviewing episodes, Ben. <laughs> Today's, of course, season one, episode five. Choose your pain. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Those Klingons. What the hell is going on on this ship? They're really having fun with the opening images of these episodes, and this one is Predator Cam around the ship to reveal Michael Burnham both at the control station but also inside the Spock box in the uh, in the engineering section. And uh, within the box, the, the iteration of her within the box is surrounded by glowy spores and uh, getting boob stabbed by the machine that stabs Ripper in the boobs when it's time to go for a jump. When the spore drive engages with Ripper's nipples, it seems it seems painful. Those nips seem uh, chapped, yeah, and and bleeding like a like a like a distance runner. I think that it's not well rendered enough to have been clear to me whether it was stabbing it or just tweaking, you know? It was was right. that like an extreme purple nurple or was it a full-blown boob stab? <laughs> and uh, this episode reveals that it is fully stabbing boob. Yeah, it truly is. This being the first contact-style bad dream sequence, <laughs> uh, it sort of ends in both of them howling in pain. The Burnham in the booth howling from the pain of the nipple stab. And one could argue that the the Burnham at the controls in pain over a decision to inflict this type of harm on herself. 
Yeah, so she is um, is out here advocating for let's stop doing the animal torture to zip around the galaxy. And uh, that's like her primary motivation for most of this episode. So the tension in the episode is Michael riding for Tardigrade and Tardigrade writes. And both <laughs> Lorca and Saru at different parts in the episode going, fuck Tardigrades. Yeah. Uh, Attach all the milkers you can. Get that sweet, sweet navigational milk out of it. She uh, sees Saru walking down Fifth Avenue in a tardigrade coat, and she <laughs> throws red paint on Saru. Saru's a real fucking hypocrite, because wasn't he the guy in the first episode that was like, you know, my people were, were herded like cattle and then slaughtered for the amusement of, of a predator race? And what's Saru doing here but but being the predator race against the tardigrade? Yeah. He's a fucking hypocrite. He really is. He's he's become what he set out to destroy, Adam. I thought for sure Michael would throw that in his face at some point this episode. It doesn't happen. Also, nobody has made fun of the kinky ass boots that he's wearing. Yeah, the sort of boots that you wear when you're really trying to work out dem calves. The, the, the sort of boots that you laugh at with your friends in the sex store, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but nobody ever actually buys, right? Right? I think Saru has bypassed the whole colored handkerchief, and, and by going <laughs> to the boot, yeah. you've, really, you've really made your deal. You're telegraphing exactly what sort of leg play you're into. Yeah, he is, he is out to anybody that looks at him as a, as a rubber horsey. Michael, in her case, is sort of establishing a pattern that an outsider might confuse as being anti-captain, you know? She's being given a bunch of breaks. Saru's not into it. Adam, it's kind of like the uh, first car that my uh, mother-in-law lent us when we moved here to Los Angeles broke down. That's That's a bummer. But the second car that she lent to us breaking down... That's sort of establishing a pattern, and maybe she'll think twice before lending us a third car. It's the pattern, I think, that's so interesting about her, and it's a pattern that no one except Saru really seems to grok at this point. Like, captains seem to have bad things happen to them when Michael is around, and uh, the second captain that this happens to is our pal Lorca. Yeah, so the Discovery has been real busy since the last episode. Like, they rattle off a list of great things that has accomplished since the Dilithium Mine victory. And uh, and that's why the Tardigrade is so beat up. It is, they've been stabbing the shit out of those nips. And um, <laughs> you'd think they'd put, like, some Band-Aids or something on those nips <laughs> so, they, so they don't chafe so bad. Yeah. Get a little uh, little triple antibiotic ointment, dab it on the nips. They haven't been powdering the tardigrade at all before putting it in the booth. You gotta powder your ripper or your ripper is gonna chafe. I mean, you could tassel those nips too. Put some, <laughs> put some tassels on that tardigrade and then attach the nipple clamps. Yeah, but that can get, get to be its own thing if you're doing it all the time. The adhesive co- going on and coming off is uh, its, right. own, its own trauma. Plus, you don't want to be the tardigrade that's known as the tassel tardigrade. Like, <laughs> that's not cool. That word starts getting around about that. Yeah, you start sitting alone at the lunch at the in the in the lunchroom at the kinked him. out lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> 
the admiral with the super severe bob is uh, is is taking starship discovery off spore drive duty for a while and uh, Lorca's pretty pissed when i accepted the command i was given the fullest latitude to fight this war how i saw fit no captain likes being taken off their duty unless they're put on detached duty and that was something very specifically admiral bob did not convey to him <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's basically saying like, let's uh, let's spend some time now that we've proven this thing works, works, uh, getting it into other ships, and and since you guys are like the main asset of the fleet, let's knock it off with all the spore driving around for a bit, which is terrible logic. You get some real macro shot of Lorca's eyes being stabbed by a by a little pen device that he's got. Yeah, he's sort of self-administering drugs. He tells the admiral that he hates doctors, and uh, man, I can't. What's imagine a doctor hate- gonna do to him that's gonna <laughs> be worse than what he's doing to himself? That's what I'm saying, man. I can't imagine <laughs> hating doctors so much that I'm into self-injecting in the eye. <laughs> I think a doctor's got a better solution than that. Uh, I have a friend whose father is a doctor and got out of going to Vietnam. By going into the into the office where you go if you get drafted and saying, I can't go, I'm addicted to heroin. And they said, well, you don't have any track marks, we don't believe you. And then he proved it by injecting something into his eyeball. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That is gnarly. So apparently this is something that can be done, at least according to playground lore from 20 years ago. <laughs> that is rugged. Yeah. Does that guy still? Uh, does that guy still do medicine somewhere? You I, got a card? I sure hope so. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the spore drive is offline, and that is a fact that does not segue at all into Lorca being in the back of a shuttlecraft being taken somewhere for some reason that is never revealed, as far as I could tell, and. Uh, Getting... I thought he was going back from that meeting with the with Admiral Bob. I that thought wasn't there was on a... the Discovery. No, I thought I thought that was elsewhere. I thought that was where the admirals hang. Oh man, I must have been writing a note. I mean, half of what you said is utterly true, which is a shuttle is the most dangerous place to be on this show. It sure, and is. they should do everything they can to prevent these shuttle trips. It really is a canonical trek. He is taking a shuttle back from a conference, Adam. <laughs> yeah no shit uh, like the only difference here is that he's not coming back from pacifica <laughs> i mean we don't know that that's not pacifica yeah, yeah i guess i'm less qualified to say that because i thought that they were just on the discovery so <laughs> sure the only thing worse than being in a shuttle is being the pilot of the shuttle and we now have gone two for two on shuttle pilot deaths on this show Structure-wise, at this point, he's he's gotten captured by the Klingons, and Discovery gets the word that their new mission is to save Captain Lorca with acting Captain Saru as as the silly putty boss. But structure, like episode structure-wise, Adam, this made me really wonder why all of the conversation about knocking it off with the spore drive. They don't need to have that scene to make the rest of the episode exciting or interesting. Like, we know the other arguments for knocking it off with the spore drive. Like, why uh, do the admirals want him 
to stop being the major asset he is in winning this war. It's a consumption of resources problem, I guess. Everyone's terrified that once you lose uh, Tardigrade Prime, that, uh, <laughs> that it's over, you know? Because it's not like they have a hot rod laying around that they could stick the, uh, the spore matrix of leadership into. <laughs> like, there's no plan B here, and so that's what Admiral Bob is all about. That's a like, terrible two-percenter, Adam. Um, <laughs> that's also, that also brings up the fact that they've, as far as I can tell, never discussed where they're getting more tardigrades from. Because if it's like an issue of using up tardigrades... Do they have some resource for getting more? Like, could they, like, borrow one for one jump and then get another? I think you were taking a lot of notes during this episode, Ben, because Admiral Bob said fairly specifically that they had never found another, and they don't know how. So they don't have a way to actually make this work in the other ships. No, they don't. They, they, have, they have spore rooms. But no, but no nipples. Like they have clamps, but no nipples. Ben, that's the problem. <laughs> All clamp, no nipple. We have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. Who are you? We encountered them. Those Klingons. So, so Saru is like, all right, we're fucking, we're we're fucking getting our captain back. This is. This is go time. He's like on the bridge barking orders at everybody, coming up with like a pretty cogent sounding plan. And Michael Burnham walks onto the bridge and she's like, hey, uh, anybody seen the cap? Uh, just had some stuff to discuss with him. W slash R slash T knocking it off with so much spore driving. Anybody seen him? No. Were you shocked that she didn't know? Like some amount of time had passed since the kidnapping and the ship isn't that big. Yeah, but it's just illustrative of how isolated she is. I mean, she Yeah. She like there's the other thing where she's talking to Tilly and Tilly's like, "Oh, I'm sure you have tons of friends." And she's like, "No, I have free time that I spend inside my head and it's fucking tearing me apart, man." Yeah. Despite the fact that Michael Burnham has like totally saved the day at this point, nobody wants to pal around with her. How annoying is Tilly to everyone else if it's still worth it to her to hang out with Michael, you know? <laughs> like, she's perfectly pleasant, she's eccentric, but everyone else on the ship is easier to be around than Michael. I would love to see Tilly go up up toe-to-toe with George Costanza on a It's Not You, It's Me. Yeah, yeah. George is getting upset! The deal is, like, uh, and Saru, like, tells Michael Burnham, like, He's like, hey, listen, like we've got to we've got to rescue the captain. He's actually been captured. What what were you going to talk to him about? Because I'm kind of the guy for now. And she's like, well, listen, this tardigrade is really beat up. It's not doing great, and uh, it's not it's not snapping back into action the way it used to. I think we're using it up. Can we knock it off with all the jumping? And he's like, no, <laughs> we need that shit. Once we figure out where the captain is, we're using that to get him. The main problem with Michael's argument here is that it's done without visual aids. Mm-hmm. If she had a picture of those nips, like <laughs> I think Saru would be convinced. That's the problem with the decision makers on this ship. Both Lorca and Saru are on the bridge making calls about about transportation, W slash R slash T, tardigrade nipples, and none of them neither of them have gone and seen the tardigrade. And I think if they had, they might think a little differently about how they're using them. 
Yeah, it's kind of like how like we eat chicken, <laughs> but like we've we don't individually kill our own chickens and we don't even want to know what those chicken farms are like, man. You wouldn't attach nipple clamps to a tardigrade if you had been to a tardigrade factory farm. <laughs> so the captain is uh is tossed in a predictably drippy metal mm-hmm. prison cell on this Klingon ship, uh, along with a, a bearded Rain Wilson, who's uh, playing Harry Mudd, famous Star Trek character, the significance of which I am a little vague on. I don't believe it. Welcome aboard, Kirk. Been a long time, eh? I meant to watch the 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 mud episode of TOS before we watched this, but I didn't get to it because my life is a fucking mess right now. Oh, it's not that bad, is it? <laughs> not so not so bad that I can't use it as an excuse to skip an episode of TOS. Yeah, I, I use any excuse to skip an episode of TOS, <laughs> by the by. Yeah, people keep going, hey, when are you guys going to do TOS? Hopefully as late as possible. <laughs> is my answer maybe maybe like i can see two possible outcomes like we we get to the end of whatever else we have to get to and it's like well i guess we fucking better do tos or like this keeps getting more and more fun for us which so far it kind of has and like by the time we get to tos we're so like mad with the like intoxicating fun of making this show (laughs) TOS seems like a great idea. Boy, is that a exciting bit of speculative fiction there. <laughs> Check back in on that bet in seven years. <laughs> so the Klingons come into this room, and there's a uh, there's a Starfleet that's kind of like whacked out in the corner, and one of the two Klingons goes up to Mud and says, "Choose your pain." Says the title of the episode right out loud, and uh, and Mud points at the guy that's flopping out on the floor, and the Klingons proceed to beat the death out of this guy, and Lorca's like, "What the fuck was that?" And he's like, "Oh, like that's how they uh, that's how they keep us from getting too friendly with each other. We have to pick who gets the shit kicked out of them next." Lorca is medium horrified at this. <laughs> There seems to be a pattern in the beatings here that's established here. There's a, there's a couple of quick punches to the face. There's a throw against a wall. And then there's a curb stomp. We've also established that Lorca is out his eye-stabbing device, which I feel like that never really pays off at all. Like, I don't know that that thing would be a big help to him amidst all the eye torture that they inflict upon him. Right, like when he gets back into his cell, he's like, oh, thank God I have this eye stabber to give me a moment of relief. Oh, nothing relieves bright light in my eyes like a nice needle to the cornea. Like when you're when you're tortured and imprisoned, are you more big picture or little picture with with what's going on? I think that's really the question here because eye stabber's a, a, a small time problem. I think if you're Lorca, you're thinking big picture. You probably don't need that thing. So back on the on the discovery, Seru is uh, working hard on figuring out how to be captain, and he sets up like a computer program for himself, which is 
very reminiscent of like data setting up a computer program for how to go on a date. He's like, how do I be a captain? And like the the computer like spits back a bunch of adjectives at him. Yeah, he's like, uh, so in this Starfleet I'm involved in, who are the best? (laughs) And what are they like? And also computer, uh, what are the traits that I share with them? Hopefully there are some. Can you Venn diagram me with other good captains? It's such a weird thing to do because, like, you're only graded retroactively. And so this sort of studying doesn't really do him any good in the heat of the moment, right? Like, he sets up some parameters for grading that he will, by the end, return to. But, you know, when the when the rubber... When the nipple rubber hits the nipple road, <laughs> like he can't ask the computer for advice based on what these other captains have done. Computer, should I be cowardly in this scenario or brave? What he needs is a baseball cap to hide his threat ganglia. That's what he needs. Or just like grow a mullet. He needs to get like the Ferengi hat curtain that that they've popularized. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just a curtain in the back. You want to let just everyone see your ganglia. No. Want to want to save something for the third date. Yeah. Cram those back in the slit, put on a half a half a lampshade. Get out there, man. Play the field. <laughs> what? 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 What's happening? What's all this? I'm trying to save you. What is this? Mud uh in his scenes with Lorca and and random guy articulates the viewpoint of the collateral damage, I think, in an interesting way. He's like, you Starfleet types, and by you Starfleet types, I'm talking about you, Lorca, and this random lieutenant who's also stuck in here with us named Ash Tyler. Like, you guys, you guys are getting into wars, and you don't even care that pieces of your ship are, like, falling into the planets that we live on. Like, (laughs) fuck you guys. Remember that dilithium mine? Those guys were just looking up starry-eyed as Klingon ships crashed around them. Yeah, like, you guys do all the war, but then you don't stay behind to clean it up. And Mud isn't wrong here. No. He's got a kind of Charlie Wilson take on the situation. (laughs) Yeah. I thought his attitude was ably portrayed by Rain Wilson here. With a beard that belongs on a roll of paper towels. <laughs> Rain Wilson really pulling off the bedraggled space woodsman. Bedraggled space woodsman is the most absorbent paper towel, Adam. Right. <laughs> you don't want to go with the store brand. No. No. Get the uh, Go premium. If, uh, if you spill some cranberry juice on your countertop, you're going to want bedraggled space woodsman to sop that up. <laughs> Rain Wilson is very fun. He uh, yeah. he's like famous and well known enough that he really gets to run around and and sink his teeth into this. He's really chewing the drippy metal scenery in every scene. He is taking over with confidence and aplomb. And I liked watching him do it. Yeah. This other guy in the prison, Ash Tyler, uh, is a Starfleet lieutenant. He shares with Lorca his backstory, which was that he was at the Battle of the Binary Stars, and his ship, the Jaeger, was destroyed. RSVP, the Jaeger. Mud's like, cool story, bro. Do you know uh, Lorca's legend? Because I'll tell you, USS Burand goes in the water. Klingons in the water. (laughs) (laughs) 
And when the Klingons get you and their eyes roll back. (laughs) Dark black eyes like doll's eyes. Dark black alert. (laughs) Yeah, Lorca ends up being the only survivor of the Baran. Uh, A tale that has not gotten a lot of traction around Starfleet because it's not a good look for him. The idea being that you want to go down with your ship. It really illuminates why he is on the Discovery, a ship that he is terribly ill-suited to being on. Like, they left him with his rank, but they gave him a ship he doesn't care about or understand. Like, right. he's a he's a warman, and they gave him the dorkiest science ship in the fleet. Or maybe, like, the second dorkiest. It's, li- it's like that saying, like, to a... Uh... To a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, <laughs> to a warman, every science officer looks like a bullet, you know? <laughs> that yeah. sort of explains his conflict throughout the series. He's loving every time he gets to put one of his people in a photon tube and shoot it out the shoot it out of the ship. He gives the same eulogy every time. Of all the souls I've met in my travels, his was the most explosive... <laughs> You think Lorca cares about nipples? No way. We're going to tear these nipples off, sir. Well, tear the nipples off then. (laughs) Ash Tyler uh, reveals that he has been on this ship for seven months, and Lorca's like, wait a second. You shouldn't be alive. You can't be in a Klingon prison for seven months and be alive. And he's like, well, I'm kind of fucking the captain also. (laughs) And we learn in this scene that Klingons have more than one dick, I think. That's exciting. Yeah. Do you think they're side by side or are they one on top of the other? I gotta I gotta picture it being one on top of the other. I mean they I don't think have... so too, like a batleth, right? Yeah. Like curved like a batleth. They don't have much wider hips, the ladies, than human ladies. Are the balls in the middle of both dicks also <laughs> like a batleth? Not everyone keeps their balls <laughs> where you do, Captain. Sounds painful. But yeah, the uh, the captain of the Klingon ship is also the interrogator of Lorca, and uh, I guess he has done some like pretty clever subterfuge. He is, he's seen that one episode of The Outer Limits and uh, knows that the people in his jail cell may be turncoats, may be there to extract information out of him once they gain his confidence so he's given them uh, he's given mud and tyler different lines of uh of uh of his story and uh he discovers that mud was feeding info to the klingons the entire time and not only that mud had a uh, a listening device glued to the back of his pet cockroach Thought for sure Lorca was going to stomp the shit out of this cockroach, but instead he just sort of rips the bug off of the bug and stomps that part of it. They're like, we can't have Lorca be super pro-animal cruelty and then also kill an animal. Cue the Klingons who burst in and are like, hey, uh, choose your pain or whatever. You know how we do this. (laughs) And uh, they ask Lorca, and Lorca points to Ash Tyler and in the fierce gratitude that Mud extols upon Lorca, Ash and Lorca grab Klingon rifles and start having Star Trek fights in the cell. Some of the funnest Star Trek fighting maybe ever is in this scene. 
you get a a couple of fun two-handed punches, but my favorite move was Lorca using a Klingon rifle like a bottle opener on yeah. one of the, the necks of the Klingons. It was so rugged. Back on the Discovery, we've had like an extended science exposition scene that turned into the uh, first documented fucks on in uh, in Star Trek, I want to say. You guys, this is so fucking cool. And so they figured out, like, you know, this tardigrade has some, like, process whereby it can uh, swap DNA with the mushrooms and, like, and therefore, like, that gives it a passport to travel wherever the mushrooms go, which is all over the known universe. So... Apparently, humans are the only other species that they can figure out that also have this ability. That's convenient. Because that ship is full of humans, Ben. Yeah, they got lots of them. So Saru's like, cool, cool, science, science, whatever. Uh, Take us to where this Klingon ship is, because that's where our captain's at. Let's go. They've figured out where the Klingons are, and uh, as they arrive, the, the jailbreak is proceeding super well they have their their uh klingon rifles set to vape and they are vaping many many klingons and the tardigrade is like shriveling up into a prune on the discovery it is not in good shape so saru is like stamets like get get that thing back going and the the doctor who's been helping michael burnham like make the case that this is nasty animal cruelty is like is like, hey man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand by and let you, let you do that. Like I, I took an oath, and he's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Stamets. Stamets, are you gonna do it? Stamets like, fuck yeah. <laughs> he's like grabbing his own nipples, like yeah, oh, I'm yeah. ready. Oh, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> In one of the all time, like we don't have the budget to show this. We cu- we basically cut back to. <laughs> To Lorca and Ash Tyler in an escape pod. Like, when we were back on the Klingon ship, they mentioned that they were going to the shuttle bay, but we see none of that. I mean, it's not, it's not an escape pod. It's like a fighter. And, uh, and, and we get to see like some like renders of fighters flying around in space and taking pot shots at each other. But yeah, fighter bay is not depicted, which... Probably a smart choice because you either build something and it's stupendously expensive or you render it and it's super corny. Yeah. The only time you're going to see it is now and you're only going to give it 10 seconds, then it's not worth it. So I get it. But the the cut to was jolting, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Because, because the show up until now has taught you how much time passes in a typical cut between settings. And this was the jump that seemed out of place. Like, right do mostly to its time. Like, it skips some time here. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that happens in the escape is that Lorca licks a shot at the captain who Tyler was coming close to beating to death, and uh, the captain takes a massive burn to the face. Which, uh, I'd been wondering, like, why so much loaf on her <laughs> uh, for a while now, and... Uh, Man, like this this burn to the face really reveals why so much loaf. Like they're gonna need a mm. lot of extra loaf to make this burn seem like a thing going forward. You're gonna need 
cup, maybe a cup and a half of breadcrumbs to uh, to cover up what's going on on that loaf. Now, when you're filling in loaf, <laughs> you're gonna need a good supply of peanut butter, breadcrumbs, <laughs> and a <laughs> and a drywall trowel. You want to fill the gap in the loaf, and before you put it in the oven, you're gonna want to brush it with some egg yolk. <laughs> That way, your loaf looks nice and glossy when you serve it to your pals. We're using an assortment of mixed seeds and nuts to dress (laughs) the top of our loaf, which will further (laughs) obscure the corrections we've made in the burned loaf. Pretty sure she's going to come back, Ben. They're leaving a lot of people behind to get them, right? Is this Vox lady? Is this the lady that's got the power behind the throne? Because if it is, she looks like weirdly different in this episode. Ben, I don't want to be uh I don't want to be called a Klingon racist, but I'm having a hard time telling these people apart. People have taken shots at us for not addressing the loaf situation that much. Um, <laughs> the loaf in the room. <laughs> I don't mind it, but I definitely like the guy with the face paint is the only one that looks really like like Vok and the guy with the face paint are the only ones that look really different from any of the others. That's what I'm saying. Like when your entire head is loaf and and distinguishing features are completely troweled over with it, it's really hard to tell them apart. Like if we had seen, the, if this was the loaf we had seen like canonically for the entire time that we had Klingons, like if they started in TOS with this loaf, did uh, Next Generation, et cetera, et cetera, with this loaf, I feel like we would be good enough at this point to tell different Klingons apart. Right. But they're asking a lot of us. We don't have the loaf reps yeah. for this. We need some. Uh, we need to hit the, hit the loaf gym. My people were biologically determined for one purpose alone, to sense the coming of death. What? To sense the coming of death. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. 
Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Doesn't make any sense. I sense it coming now. None of it makes any sense. Sounds like nonsense to me. So they, uh, they beam the captain out. His shuttle is exploded very quickly and he's like on the transporter pad tyler is it like basically collapses in a heap and the captain radios up to the bridge and is like saru get us the fuck out of here hit the hit the jump switch and saru's like hit it baby and there's like a little like a little hiccup and then they jump and uh this makes no sense because the tardigrade got shriveled up but they run down to engineering and it turns out that Stamets like kicked everybody out of engineering injected himself with tardigrade DNA and then like took the nipple pinchers to his own boobs any action that happens off screen is typically bad (laughs) (laughs) you know so like this was telegraphed fairly obviously at at the moment that it happened but I wasn't sure who was going to be in the booth. Like, the head fake here is that I thought Michael would be in the booth. When it was revealed to be Stamets, I was surprised by this. They have uh, they've spent two episodes building up to it being Michael in the booth. And Stamets uh, has been getting painted as kind of a selfish asshole. So him being the one who kind of took the heroic sacrifice here is a big surprise. And... Uh, Seru comes over to Michael Burnham's quarters and is like, hey, man, like um, the uh, captain's back aboard. Stamets is going to be patched back together. Okay. I realized that like you were kind of ahead of the game on this one. I want you to know that like I uh, I recognize that. And she's like, 
hey man, like you're not really as as fear bonery about me now as you used to be. Is that true? And he says, it's not fear, man. I fucking hate your guts. <laughs> he's like, he's basically like. I'm an asshole, but a super introspective asshole that's going to explain my motivations very literally to you. And my motivation is that you were best friends with Giorgio, and I wanted to be best friends with Giorgio. Saru has just, like, let the rank drop. These, they're sort of having a Jellico-Riker argument here in the room. The I don't like you, you don't like me situation, but we need each other. And they've been... Throughout the episode and throughout the series, using Giorgio's memory as a weapon against one another. Like, they're, they're conjuring her memory as a way to hurt the other person. And Burnham turns this right in the opposite direction in this scene. She's like, hey, man, like, let me give you this telescope that Giorgio left to me. It was pretty clear in the last episode that she didn't feel like she deserved the telescope. And, uh, and she gives it to Saru. And it's like... It's an interesting scene because I feel like it is easy to read this as either Michael Burnham genuinely reconciling with Seru or her playing him like a fiddle to get back in the game because back in the game she gets. I've got a real hard time thinking that this telescope has any value other than sentimental because like Michael says that it's hundreds of years old. If it's hundreds of years old... Ben, like it's a, it's like a Radio Shack brand telescope, right? It's like, what what's what's Radio Shack store brand? It Tandy, or or like a, like is it a Kobe telescope? That thing is garbage. Yeah, it doesn't look good. I mean, it's not like the uh, the glasses that Bones gives Kirk in uh, yeah. in the films. Um, Clearly, those were Warby Parkers. Yeah, yeah, those are nice ones. Uh, <laughs> Saru orders Michael to save the water bear and uh, her strategy for doing this is dump a bunch of spores on it and poop it out into space <laughs> this is <laughs> remarkably effective yeah Adam before we get to the button I want to talk about the couple of times that I wrote down first contact in my notes. Uh, oh. I wrote down first contact with Lor- when Lorca was eye-stabbing. I then wrote down first contact when he talked about his motivation for blowing up his own ship, which was yeah. not letting his crew suffer the fate of being taken to Kronos and enslaved. The Bad Dream Start was also a first contact reference. I feel like there's a ton of first contactiness in this episode. There's a there's that scene where uh, where Stamets snaps an engineer's spinal column <laughs> in order to gain entry into the spore room. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, so I just wanted to I just wanted to tag that before we get out of it because the last scene is uh, is really uh, interesting and I think a like a, a long overdue but important addition to Trek canon, which is that. The doctor, Doctor Culber, and uh, and the engineer Stamets are revealed in the end to be in a relationship with each other, and they're like having a teeth brush uh, together after all of the events of the day, and they're kind of talking about the fact that uh, Stamets like took a massive risk and also let Culber 
believed that he was going to do a bad thing to an animal. And I think Culber is really glad that Stamets is okay, but um, a little miffed that he took that risk. Uh, but it's a it's a very interesting scene. I mean, it's significant because it's two gay actors playing two gay characters, and that's a thing that we haven't gotten before in Star Trek, and and you rarely get in a lot of television shows. Another part of this scene I thought was even more rare, perhaps, which was I've never seen a black toothbrush, Ben. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think that's a thing that's been invented yet. Like, are you using black toothpaste too? <laughs> like, your toothbrush is always going to look dirty if it's a black toothbrush, Ben, because of the toothpaste. It's going to look white and crusty. I was also like, are they going to kiss? But then I was like, they just brushed their teeth, and it's a little weird to kiss like with the toothpaste taste still in your mouth. These pajamas also, like while we're talking about uh, props that we might want to own, mm-hmm. they look in pajamas, by the by. Yeah. I f- if, I had, if I had the body that Culber has, I would rock these pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell if they were drawstring or, or button-up, though. Mm. I, I would want to know. I'd want to know those details. Yeah. I'm a drawstring man. Oh, really? Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly on the opposite side of that issue, Adam. Wow. Uh, to be continued. <laughs> Culber walks back uh, into the quarters and leaves Stamets at the mirror, who then walks back into his quarters and then leaves another Stamets at the mirror. What the fuck is that about? G-g-g-ghost? A, a ghost Stamets that seems to be smiling, like that seems happy about... Where he's at. Do you think that's mirror universe or is that too literal of a read? I don't know, man. I is mean, this how the mirror universe was created? I would have had to have seen the original series mirror universe episodes to be able to tell you. This is where <laughs> the research, our lack of research really falls apart and fails us yeah. here, Ben. Because we're really, we're really flying blind here. It's, it's black toothbrushes all the way down. I feel like the creators of this show maybe give everybody too much credit about how much they know about TOS at this point. Well, that is what we're left with. A potential thruple situation with uh, <laughs> Culber and the two Stamitzes. Yeah, that's a fun, that's a fun uh, <laughs> Eiffel Tower. What, be, what began <laughs> as a trailblazing depiction of, of, uh, of just normal, natural two guys in a relationship is immediately turned into a three-way. Yeah. Way to go, Star Trek. <laughs> Stop it, doesn't fire first. We have to. We have to. Stop it, doesn't fire first. We have to. We have to. We have to. Computer and program. Did you like this episode, Ben? Boy, this one. This is the first one that I'm like less thrilled about. Mm. I feel like the. Uh, this one was the closest we got to corny Trek fun. Yeah. But it's it's too dark and nasty. And the fucks seemed like so pointless. Like, Right. Fucks said just to say it. Fucks said just to, just to be like, hey, we're on streaming. Isn't this great? Um, yeah. I, you know, and I don't want to be one of the, like, <laughs> I, I was reading a review of uh, of a podcast that, uh, recently that was like mm, like this is a funny show hilarious really but they say the f word an awful lot so be careful if you have kids in the car 
was like, is that really a reason to dock two stars? The F word in this day and age? Like, on a, on a show that is marked explicit? Like, that said, like, I feel like more so than other network television shows, the squeaky cleanness of Star Trek is kind of canonical. Right. It's not something that is done to appease the censors as much as it, it, it kind of feels right for the world that they live in. So everybody cussing up a storm in this and it just being like one scene where it's like, Haha, look what we did, uh, felt really dorky and stupid. All that said, uh, it definitely held my interest and I thought, uh, you know, I love a jailbreak. I love, uh, I thought uh, Saru's character developed in an interesting way here. I mean, I was ready for Saru to be like in, in big trouble and Michael Burnham just be like, all right, I got this. <laughs> Right. But uh but it, like he really demonstrated some game, you know? How about you? I'm with you on the profanity, Ben, because two scientists t- calling something fucking cool to me felt like Spock at the end of Star Trek 6 going, "Tell them to go to hell," you know, after they they're ordered back to back to the starbase. Right. Like it's so it's so cute. Like, I want the first time I hear an F word in Star Trek to be after someone's been shot and they're in pain <laughs> or they're shooting someone else or they're fucking someone. Yeah. Like, like those seem appropriate, but like nerds doing nerd shit saying it's fucking cool is like, is totally Star Trek cute in a way that you described earlier. So, eh, like, I wish they didn't do that. I, or at least I wish they didn't do it like this. I like the episode all in all, though. I like going to the Klingon prison. I like meeting Harry Mudd. I like the ongoing conflict between Saru and Michael. Like, eventually they've got to reach a point, though, where either they decide to be enemies or decide to be friends. Like, this this tension can't last forever, right? God, I hope not. Yeah. So, I think, I, I think it sounds like I might have liked the episode a little more than you at this point. You know one thing I like a lot, though, Ben? I don't think we have any P1s, Adam. I was just going to say clamps on my nipples. <laughs> I wasn't going to refer to P1s at all. Uh, no Priority One messages this episode, but if you have a message you would like to send to our greater viewership, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages that are heard by an audience of thousands, tens of thousands even, are $200. They're a great way to ensure the ongoing production of this show. Ben? What's that, Adam? With that being said, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Oh, boy. Uh, I really have to give it to Stamets for the the poker face telling the captain he's going to go resuscitate the tardigrade. Like, I, I know why he didn't tell Culber he was going to go take the nipple clamps himself. But, like, that's your boyfriend, dog. Like, tell him at least that you've got a way to not be cruel to an animal. Like, you're sending right. him back to to doing whatever he was doing, thinking, God, I am dating a fucking monster. So Stamets gets it from me for this episode. Yeah, I kept going back and forth between Mud and Stamets <laughs> for that reason as well. I mean, Mud as a character, I would have given the Shimoda too, except at the end he has his I'm going to be made into an enemy forever by leaving me here. He has the I'll get you moment. Yeah. And that doesn't seem very fun for Mud. Mud who was having the most fun in the episode up until that point. So True. yeah, I'm gonna give it to Stamets too. Oh. Double Shimoda. 
Double Shimoda and double Stamets. <laughs> Which is a ni- yeah. nice bit of... Uh, There's enough Stamets to take that Shimoda. What do we have coming up on the next episode of Star Trek Discovery? Next episode is season one, episode six. And we don't know anything about it, Adam. It's called Leth or Lethe, uh, <laughs> according to the Internet Movie Database. But they did not grace us with a next time on STD reel this time, which is an interesting choice. I wonder what that's about. Uh, I got one, Ben. You did? Yeah, I watched it all the way to the end. Maybe maybe you should cue that up. It did not play on when I watched it today. It, uh, it just really? played it just played the the credits directly after the episode. After the credits, they played the the next time for me. I, I, I scrolled through. It didn't have it. Weird. Get it fixed, CBS. Tell me what you saw. It was one second bukkake of like <laughs> a, like of like thirty different scenes of shit happening. I couldn't really couldn't really hold together any sort of story. People are yelling at each other. Wow, good. Any explosions? Shit's shit's blowing up. Oh, that's good. Uh, the ship might be in danger, it looks like. <laughs> oh. You know. You know how they do, Ben. One of my best friend's father is a mathematician, and his theory is that any movie trailer that has seven explosions in it, that movie will be great, and any number of explosions increasing or decreasing from seven... Uh, puts the quality of the movie in further and further doubt. So the bell curve up to seven. Yeah. You want to be at seven with your trailer. Wow, I'm going to have to count my explosions now. Yeah. Count those explosions, people. The Greatest Discovery is a MaximumFun.org podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Benjamin R. Harrison. Produced and edited by Rob Schulte. Music by Adam Ragusia. Head to MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the ongoing production of this show. Please use the hashtag GreatestGen when discussing the show on Twitter. You can find Ben on there at BenjaminAHR, and Adam is at CutForTime. And make sure to check out the Facebook and Reddit groups to continue the conversation. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.